Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Well, I have a confession to make. I love coffee. I really love coffee. I think my love for coffee goes back to when I was about four or five, and I used to spend the night Saturday night prior to church on Sunday morning with my grandmother. And she was old time, so it was biscuits on Sunday morning. And she made what she called coffee soak. I can still remember the smell. I can still remember the taste. It was a half of a biscuit put in a cup, and then about a half a cup of coffee, well, before that, then she would put sugar and cinnamon, and then pour about a half a cup of coffee, and then you would, you would drink that and eat that with a spoon, and she called it coffee soak. I think that would be a good thing for some restaurant to open sometimes, coffee soak. How many of you love coffee? Raise your hand. Now listen, I'm not talking about caramel macchiatos and frappuccinos. Those are not coffee. Coffee is meant to be taken as God made it black. And not with fruit creamers and different sugars. <clears throat> but i got to be honest, I haven't always had good experiences with coffee. Anybody ever have a bad experience with coffee? We went on a Disney cruise once. In fact, the president of the Disney Cruise Lines gave us, listen to this, gave us the complimentary suite, the presidential suite, on the Disney Cruise Line. We had two bedrooms, bath. We never left the room, man. They brought us food. Everything is so wonderful. But on the Disney Cruise Line, you'd think top, elite, all of that. I don't know what they do now, but they serve Nescafe coffee. <laughs> Nescafe coffee is like dried oats with warm water. <laughs> it's like trying to drink Sanka. Remember Sanka? Oh, man. I haven't always had good experiences. Sometimes go to a restaurant late at night and say, I'd like a cup of decaf. And then at 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm wide awake and I'm thinking that was not a cup of decaf, right? So I haven't always had good experiences. But you know, if we take this thing, I love coffee, and transfer that to I love my church, or I love the church. When we say I love my church, we realize it's a church that we're part of. Not We don't belong to it. We don't own it. He owns it, right? But we, there's ownership. See, I can tell a person how much that the Father's house is their home or whether they're just visiting. When people use the phrase, your church, you know, we come to your church, or uh, hey, at your church. But when people say, you know, at my church then I know, okay, so they get it, that there is a place for you to belong, a place for you to be planted. And I, I haven't had always good experiences at church, have you? Uh, but I still haven't let, me, let it stop me from understanding, and I believe this with all my heart, that I believe that the mobilized local church is the hope of the world. The mobilized local church. That means the church that's going according to Jesus's uh, philosophy and what he wants for us to do. You know, and I know it's, it's common for us to hear, I love football. And wasn't it great that Jaguars pulled it out last night? That's pretty good. So, so I love football. 
I love ice cream. But when somebody says, I love my church, people say, well, that, that sounds weird. But why would it be weird to realize that Jesus loves the church, so should we? You see, the church, the Father's house, isn't this building. The Father's house is you. Amen. Is you. And so we come on Sundays, and it's a time when Jesus changes lives and people take next steps. So over the next several weeks, we're going to examine this. I love my church, and how can I love my church? What's incorporated in that? And, I, and I, sometimes people say, well, yeah, you know, but you should preach more about Jesus. Well, we do preach about Jesus. He's on the back wall. We're going to talk about him today. All last year, we spent the whole year talking about uh, Jesus and rediscovering or discovering Jesus. We all had these Jesus bands that we wore all last year. This year, we're going to talk about growing in our relationship with Jesus. It's not enough just to know him, but we need to be growing in our relationship with Jesus. People say, well, you know, I can do that, but I don't need the local church. I'm okay. I'm a believer. I don't need the local church. Okay, let's just carry that to the end. Okay, you're married, but you don't have to go home to be married. But I guarantee you, your relationship will not continue long. People say, well, I just, I love Jesus, but I really don't, you know, I just, the church, everybody, that's people's philosophy. Listen, Ephesians 5 and 23 says that Christ is the head of the church. So I dare you to decapitate Jesus. If you say, I take Jesus, but I don't need his church, then you've just decapitated him. And I'm telling you, you're going to get in trouble with that. Let me give you, let me sit down for this because I've, I've written it down because I'm going to try to give you the church history from 30 AD until now in five minutes or less. Are you ready? So here we go. Don't try to take notes. You'll never get all of this. <clears throat> so here we go. 30 AD in Jerusalem, Jesus died on the cross. On the third day, he was resurrected. He ascended into heaven. 50 days later, Jesus uh, was resurrected. And the, after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit falls, according to Acts 2 and 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were then given a purpose and a promise. Peter the apostle preaches the first sermon and 3,000 people's lives were changed that day and they were added to the church and the church was born. Peter and John continued building the church, preaching and performing miracles and the church grows to five, by 5,000. 31 AD, Stephen is preaching about Jesus, enrages the local leaders and they're killing him, making him the first Christian martyr. 34 AD, Jesus meets Saul on the road to Damascus, transform him from the persecutor of the church until Paul who would build the church. 44 AD, King Herod executes James and then puts Peter in prison, but an angel comes, rescues him. Persecution continues in the early church. It intensifies, and they move the center of the operation of the church from Jerusalem to Antioch. From Antioch, Paul and Barnabas set out on their first missionary journey. On this first missionary journey, Paul visits Galatia of Ephesus. Then he spends three months in Greece before he travels to Jerusalem where he's arrested. Paul then is sent to Rome for trial, but shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. When he arrives in Rome, there for two years before Nero, his orders, uh, Nero orders his execution, and that is the book of Acts. 50 AD, the gospel reaches Portugal and Morocco. 80 AD, Christianity spread to cities in France and Indonesia. 100 AD, the first Christian was reported 
first church was reported in Algeria and Sri Lanka. In 174 AD, the gospel reaches Australia and Switzerland and Belgium. 230 AD, the gospel reaches Ethiopia. 595 AD, Pope Gregory I sends uh, St. Augustine of Canterbury and a team of missionaries to England. In the first year, the church baptizes 10,000 converts. In 635 AD, the first missionaries go to China. In 740, Irish monks bring the gospel to Iceland. 900 AD, missionaries make their way to Norway. By 1200 AD, the Bible is available in 22 languages. In 1491, missionaries arrive at Africa, Congo, where the first church is planted in in Angola. Two years later, Kenya reports the first church. At the same time, in Spain, Alexander VI sent missionaries to the New World, and as a result, Christopher Columbus took a priest with him on the second journey to the Americas. 1531, there's missionary work in Mexico City. In 1550, John Calvin sends Protestant missionaries to Brazil. In 1640, missionaries reach the Caribbean and land on the island of Martinique. 1730, the Great Awakening happens in America. George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards stir revivals in the colonies. In 1907, Azusa Street revival breaks out in Los Angeles and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then on to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the mountains of North Carolina and that leads to a whole bunch of spirit-filled churches being birthed. Holy Spirit falls upon denominations, all denominations and there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the church continues to grow and as Jesus said in the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church right now in China uh, the underground church is growing by leaps and bounds in Iran and a lot of places we help sponsor with EME which is Europe and Middle East ministries and they send us stories of how the underground church is, is, is flourishing and growing because God said I establish my church and the gates of hell will not stop my church amen amen so, fast forward, TFH, the last Sunday of March, 1996, was started by a small group of people who weren't going to church anywhere. And look what God has said. I say, they weren't going to church anywhere because, you see, a lot of churches in the world today happen by transfer or sheep stealing, proselytizing, however you want to call it. And churches are not started by spiritual fathers. They're starting by people who have an Absalom spirit and wants to steal an anointing that doesn't belong to them to start something. We started this church on people that weren't going to church anywhere. The first two weeks I was here, I had one of the pastors call me and said, I'd like to have lunch with you. I said, sure, I'd love to. I want to meet all the pastors here in this town. And he looked across the table at me and he said, we don't need a church like yours. We don't need any more churches in our city. We have enough churches in our city. I said, hey, look, be cool. I'm going to pick up the tab for lunch, but I just want you to know for this. I'm not going to get any of your people. I'm thinking in my mind, with a spirit like yours, I wouldn't want your people anyway. <laughs> but we live in a world in which it's so easy for people to just hop and skip and dump and jump, <laughs> dump, a lot of dump. And it's like the difference of Anita said this week, it's, it's the difference of being planted in the house and just being a potted plant in the house. Because you see, if you're a potted plant in the house, when you get upset, you can just pick up your pot and you can go somewhere else and put your pot down there. But if you're planted in the house, even when things that you don't agree with, 
you still stay. Now, I'm not saying that because someone leaves from one church and goes to another. I, I believe sometimes stylistics are, are in that, and people, well, the style is just not right. Or as someone said, I want to go to that church. I'm, we're going to go to a different church because every Sunday they lay hands on each one of them, uh, each one that's there, and they prophesy to them. And I said, well, how many people have they reached for the Lord in the last little while? Oh, well, that's not what they're about. They're all about just prophesying to one another. And so I said, well, if that's what you want, we're not that. So you might want to go there. But then you also might want to check what is the purpose of the church that Jesus left. Jesus said to Peter, and he pressed him, and he said, how about you? What are people saying? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the what? Read it with me. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Let's say it again. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon. You finally get something right. <clears throat> you, didn't, you didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You're Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will build, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Now, I know the Catholic church and some churches say there that church is built on Peter, but that's not the, that's not the revelation. That's not what Jesus is saying. He said, he said, who am I? And Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, because you caught the revelation of who I am. That's what the church is built on. The church is built on the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He came to this world. And so for 2,000 years now, the church still stands strong. I love the church. I grew up in the church. A little country church. Slatted pews. How many of you remember slatted pews? That just means you had a foundation here and you had two or three planks in the back. It was good for sleeping because as a kid you could lay down and sleep and your arm could hang out and hang down low. Of course, it really felt bad when you'd sleep so long and fall asleep and you'd wake up and say, pray for me, pray for me. I lost my arm. It's not working anymore. I love my church and I love the church. It's where I discovered my calling. It's where I discovered my purpose. It's where I discovered my lovely wife that I love so much. And it's where I learned community to be with you. I was thinking this morning early before we came how blessed that we are. When we rolled into this town 27, 27 years ago at the end of March, we didn't know anything. We only knew a handful of people. We had no financial backing. I had a pastor, Rick Godwin, who's my dearest friend, and said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. you. You go. We took our retirement. We took all the investments that we had, everything that we had to start something. A little small, the old Shoney's building, which is across from Ramshackles. Didn't know that day, but uh, I think we have like one person that was here with us on that. Raise your hand back there. All right, you were with us. Come on, back in the back. See, there's a faithful person, right? Two, all right? Yeah, Kurt. I didn't see you, Kurt. Come in. Two of you there on that 20-something years ago. Wow. And, I, I, and, and what I was saying was, when I looked around this morning and I see what God is doing, I realized I was never smart enough to make this happen. 
There were no church growth books back then. There were no church growth organizations that would sponsor you if you raised so much money. We stepped out in faith, knowing only just a handful of people. And look, look what God has done. I love my church. So let's look at this. How do I love my church? We're going to look each week at a different way. I love my church. Here's how I love my church. Number one, pursue purpose. Pursue purpose. Pursue purpose. Say that with me. Pursue purpose. What purpose? The purpose given by Jesus. It's his idea. So we don't just sit back, but we pursue the purpose that he had when he organized the church. Look at this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew. They were throwing nets into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. And I'll show you how to be successful people in this world. I'll give you a platform in which thousands of people will fall at your feet and worship you. I will help you put everything you do on the internet so people will like you. And it'll be wonderful and it'll all be alike about you. Come follow me. And I'll show you how to fish for people. So they left their nets at once and followed him. See, the first thing that Jesus said to his followers, the first thing in the very beginning, I want it to be about pursuing people. I want, I want to call you, not that you'd be famous and everybody'd like you and you have more followers than anybody else, but I want to call you so that you would pursue people that are lost. And then look, here's the last conversation, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He gives a, a clear directive. And what does he say? I want you to go. I mean, you want to be close to God? Two-thirds of his name is go, so we want to go. We want to go make disciples of all nations. If we want to live on purpose, we've got to begin pursuing people that are lost without Jesus. And then Jesus said, listen, before you go out and start really pursuing people and doing all that, I want, to, I, want to, I want to be sure that you wait because I want you to be filled with a third person of the Holy Spirit that to give you the power. Acts 1 and 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. First of all, where? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice where he starts. He says, I want you to start in Jerusalem. Start where you are, pursuing people. I, I hear people say, you know, if, if I could just, I, I think if I could just go on a mission team, and if I could get to Africa, I think, man, then, then I'd really be able to serve God and witness for him because I just have a tough time doing that here. Listen, if you can't do that here, you're not going to be successful there. Jesus said, I want you to start. And he says in Jerusalem, why Jerusalem? That's where Jesus was killed. That's where they were persecuted. He says, I don't want you to go out there. I want you to start, first of all, where people don't like you. I want you to start where people hate you. Where they, where they call you names. Where they dislike you. I want you to start there. They talk bad about you. You're not, it's not a comfortable place, but it's the place where I put you now. In your job, in your profession, 
I want you to start there. Pursue people where you're planted. And then he says other places. And then he says Samaria. First of all, he says, I want you to start where people don't like you. And then I want you to go to places where you don't like them. Where they rub you the wrong way. Where you wish that you didn't see them when you go to Walmart or Publix. He said, I, I, I want you to be sure you go to the place where people don't like you. But then just because I want you to know that I've come to die for all people. I want to use, use my instrument. I want you to go to people that you don't even like, you don't even care about. And then he said, to the ends of the earth. And we do that with our missions program that we have. We have local missions. We have national ministries. We have international ministries that we support and you support every week with your finances. And we thank God for that. So then we say, well, why is the Father's house still growing? Why is the Father's house? You know, it's amazing in the world we're living in today how many churches start and within three years they collapse. But here we are moving in. The end of March will be 27 years. 27 years. And I know some of you look at the gray hair on my head and you start calculating, okay, he's going to be 73 next month. And by the way, my love language is gifts. <laughs> so what's going to happen? The board of directors and our team already have things in place that if I were to die tomorrow, this church would continue to grow. There's already someone ready to organize, pick it up, and go. Because you see, this church is not about me. It's not about Anita. But it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. So you see, I'm in a stage in my life where, as my counselor says, I have to start looking and thinking about how do I reinvent myself for the last little while that I have here on this planet Earth, if it's three years, 10 years, five years, 20 years, 20 years, 100 years. That'd be a miracle, wouldn't it? be a Sarah and Abraham miracle. Why is the Father's house still growing? Tim said to me just a few minutes ago, he said, look, look at all the wonderful people God has sent us. It won't be long until we'll have to go to a third service. Because you see, as long as there's one person in our area that's lost without Jesus, we're going to continue to make a place and create an environment for people. We're going to do that. Yes, Amen. So why is the Father's house still growing? Because it's not about me. I mean, I can't meet every need that there is. I was thinking yesterday at the home going of, uh, of, of one of our warriors, and Tim was standing up here, and he was teaching and talking about going to the hospital and the nursing home and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, God, I thank you for people like Tim because, if it's, it, it, because it, just, it just fills the void. I thank God for people like you and you and you and you because, you see, when you find your place to be planted in the house, then the church can be who it means to be. And, and I surround myself with people that don't have my gifts because I don't have that ability to do what you do. Right. It takes all of us together. Remember our mission? Yes. We said it earlier. Here it is. Look, we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Hey, next week, you don't want to miss next week. We're going to give you a little card talked about the life you were meant to live. And with this card... We, you can keep this with you. And when the Lord moves on you to lead someone or talk to them about Jesus, because people say, I just don't know how to tell people about Jesus. We're going to have a little demonstration this week, and Lonnie's going to show you how to use this. 
And within five minutes, using this card, walking through this card, you'll be able to lead someone to the prayer that's on the back of that card. You don't want to miss next week. We're going to equip you. We don't want to just motivate you to pursue people, but we also want to put into your hand a tool that will help you do that. Everything we do is to try to help people get into an environment where they can meet Jesus. See, when you have a church that's small, it's easy for that church to stay on mission because we know, hey, this is the mission. But when you grow to, as we are, uh, five to 700, according to any Sunday that we could go into that n- neighborhood, uh, 1,200 people call the Father's house their home if everybody came to church on the same Sunday. But, and when you're small, it's easy to remind people to stay on the same agenda. That's what it's happened. This is a culture of the Father's house. But if you're not careful as you grow to be larger like we are, then people come and they have their own agenda. They have what the Father's house should be like. And so you spend time then trying to make so-and-so happy. People say, well, so-and-so wasn't happy because where they were asked to sit. So-and-so wasn't happy because you didn't return their call, and Pastor Tim did. So-and-so is not happy because their wife didn't get to sing a solo. So-and-so is not happy because they didn't be able to play their tambourine out in the audience and be offbeat. So-and-so is unhappy, and they've left the church because you didn't speak to them on a Sunday. It may have been that I had diarrhea and I was heading to the bathroom. I don't know. (laughs) So then... What happens, a lot of churches, and we fight against this. We really do. And, and, and people get upset. You know, people say, well, I just, my, I don't, my, my pastor should have called me. Listen, if somebody here on the prayer team, if some of the wonderful people, we have a freedom, freedom and care. How, how many of you in here are, in the, are part of the freedom and care group ministry? Raise your hand. Look at these people. These people, and there's others in the second service, they do a better job at freedom and care. Thanks, Tim. They do a better job at freedom and care than I would ever do. Than I would ever do. So when people say, well, I was sick. Nobody called me. And I say, well, did, did the prayer team call you? Yeah. Well, the church called you. The church called you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I don't mean that to sound arrogant or I, I don't even know the word to use. I just want you to know that when we're small, there's a lot of things that we can do that we can't do as we grow. And you say, well, let's just stay small. Not on my life. Not when I have to get to heaven. And he said, I started you out good. Why'd you go aside? Yeah. You see, it's like, have you ever been walking or jogging and you, you focus on finishing? And you got a little yapping dog. A little dog like Tim's little rat. Almost like a cat, Tim. Almost. I won't say that when Brenda's here, okay? But that little yapping dog, you know he can't hurt you. I mean, he can't get his mouth open wide enough to bite my leg. But yet, it catches your attention. So what do you do? It's, you forget about your running and you work about, shh, get away, get away, take care of that, you know. And that's how it is with the purpose of the church. When it's all the time is that we've got to take care of so-and-so because they're unhappy. And we're going to do our best to, to love people and care for people. Please don't hear that. I'm not saying there's the door and don't let the doorknob hit you on your backside as you leave. That's, what we're not, that's not what we're saying. But I'm saying 
If we get so focused on little side issues of trying to make people happy all the time and lose the focus that we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, we'll cease to please him. We'll cease to please him. I think sometimes we need to do a sermon series called It's Not About You. Social media has created a whole new, like, I did this, I am this, look at this, look what I've done, look at this. And a lot of times people bring that into the church. The church was not created to create a platform for your ministry, but it was created for you to come and fit into the culture of the church that God has planted you. Somebody said this week, laughingly, what if I don't love my church? Justine said that. (laughs) I said, well, you should probably find a church that you do love. Because why would you always want to go somewhere where you're always trying to change the culture of that church? Because there are small churches in our community that they know you, they know your shoe size, they know your shirt size, and 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 they move in that direction. And every once in a while, they get somebody saved. There are churches where they get together and prophesy over one another all the time. Look, I, I, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in miracles. I believe in dancing before the Lord. I believe in shouting. I believe in crying. But you know what? As Paul said, I would rather do that alone and unto the Lord and have two words of worship, two words that everybody understands. So you see, we don't follow every chase, every tale. We create this. We create an environment in which an unbeliever can come in that's never known about God and they can understand what we do to the best that we do. It identifies with him and God touches their heart and they give their heart to the Lord. Do you understand that? Is that, is that okay? The methods, methods may change. I mean, we do a lot of things that wouldn't be my personal preference. I'm an old-fashioned Pentecostal at my roots. And if it was left to me and I only did what I prefer, this church would look a whole lot different and scare the crap out of some of you people. (laughs) I do those things in my personal prayer time. Not here. Why? Because I'm willing to say, I'll step away and I'll do whatever I can short of sin to lead as many people as I can to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you feel that? Is that your heart? Is that your heart? So I ask you as an individual, are you going where we're going? Are you bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus? When you get to heaven, who are you bringing? When you get to heaven, who are you bringing? This is a shocking, horrible verse in Judges chapter 2 and 10. It says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. I'm telling you, we are living in the fulfillment of that scripture. There are people all around us 
who do not acknowledge the Lord as the hope of the world and what he's done for Israel and what he's done for all of us. Jesus has a love language. I laughed with you a few minutes ago and I said, my love language is gifts and his love language is words. You know, the, the five love languages that to talk about. But Jesus has a love language. You know what his love language is? People. People. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit live in a perfect, beautiful place. They didn't want to live there by themselves. They wanted to create man so that man could spend eternity in all the glories of, of the new heaven, the new earth. But as in our Bible study, if you're following along, reading with us in the Version plan, Adam and Eve and mankind for years have started going their own way, building their own idols and going their own direction. And God could have easily looked down and said, yeah, I'm just going to start all over. I'll go over here into another planet and start something new. But God loved people so much that he came to pursue people. God didn't say, here I am, and I want you to come up to where I am because none of us could get there because of the sin in our life. But God said, I'll put on flesh and I'll walk on the earth and I'll live a perfect life and I'll take the sins of the world and I'll pay for those sins. Then on the third day he arose so that he could go prepare a place for us that we could be with him forever. But it's not just about that it's that he forgives he forgives all of our sins our, our past sins he forgives those and he gives us a purpose for living right now to use your gifts and then he gives us the hope of an eternity with him and a new heaven and a new earth the older you get the more you long for that because this world is decaying but also the more I know that the world needs hope that we can bring through Jesus would you bow your heads with me today I just sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some hearts this morning and you say you know what I know today that that I'm lost and I need to be found I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Jesus said, as many as call upon him will be saved so we can believe that today. I, and you don't have to understand everything. Scripture said, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I can be saved. So today, if you're here, and I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's knocking on your heart's door. And he's waiting for you to say, Jesus, I need you today. I'm lost. I've got more money than I've ever had. 
I've got more of this than I've ever had. I've got more of that, more of this. But still yet, I feel so empty on the inside. The reason you feel empty is because that God created vacancy in your life, in your spirit, in your soul. They can only be filled with Jesus, filled with Jesus. So if you're here today and you've, you don't know him, you've never invited him into your heart and into your life, you've never said yes to Jesus, let him forgive you of your sins, give you a hope for eternity and a purpose for now. Would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, would you pray for me today? I want to make that decision. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Others today say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Others today join these three and say, yeah, that's me. I want to do that. Or maybe years ago you had that relationship with the Lord, but you just sort of drifted away. Or maybe you're watching online right now. Others today would say, that's me. You just raise your hand right where you are. I mean, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's really speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me lead us in a prayer today. We'll all pray this prayer together. To Father God, thank you today for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I confess today that I'm lost and I need a Savior. I don't understand everything, but I believe your word. I trust your word. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. And fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Wow. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352 329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.